Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. Welcome to the Compass Catholic Changemaker Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kano. On this podcast, we talk about how to live with our money as Catholics. Greetings, Changemakers. A couple of weeks ago, we aired part of a webinar Compass Catholic did in partnership with the St. Philip Institute on the topic of money and marriage. We had some listeners reach out and ask for more of that webinar. So this week, we're airing another part of that same webinar. Topics include how to divide money roles and 10 money habits of successful couples. Enjoy and God bless. Now we're going to move on to the topic of dividing money roles. This is always a hot button issue. Um, And I think before we get started in this section, it's really important to lay the kind of maybe the ground rule, the commonly agreed upon rule here that everything is shared in marriage, everything. There's been a recent shift for like this strategy where married individuals split their bills and they maintain their own budgets. And it's all an effort to be fair, like maybe one out earns the other and they want to be fair. Notice I said married individuals. God did not intend for you to be married individuals. He intended for you to be a couple and two shall become one. So you are a married couple and sharing is now the name of the game. If fair is your goal, you're in the wrong game. It's just not going to happen. So you will always come up short if that is the goal. It should be 100% and 100%. 50-50 isn't going to work. This, this whole strategy of like sharing finances in a fair way where you have your checking account, I have my checking account, and we split the bills based on how much we earn. I'm, I don't know if you all are familiar with this, this uh, movement now. The issue is that once the bills are coupled, um, covered, each spouse can spend what they have as they seem fit, right? So it seems like a reasonable plan from a mathematical perspective. Marriage isn't math. It's not. It's all... It's, that's your goal. Like I said, fair's your goal. You're going to come up short. First of all, it divides spending power. And if you let money be power in a marriage, money is going to have power in your marriage. So we don't want to do it for that reason. And also it eliminates much of the financial value of marriage, which is now you have shared goals that you can work towards together. If you are operating as two different individuals living under a roof, you're going to have a much harder time working for buying your home or securing retirement because it's going to become a numbers game rather than a team effort. 
So um, I just want to say, let's, let's start from there. It's not that you can't have separate checkings. Maybe that's the easier way that you guys have figured out how to, you know, she has a fun budget. He has a fun budget. Like I'm not trying to knock that. What I'm saying is that everything is shared. We also want to avoid um, the possibility of financial infidelity. Financial infidelity can be as cutting and as earth shattering as sexual infidelity. So we want to make sure we don't allow any room for any financial infidelity. What's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. Like it's, we want to make sure we share everything in marriage. So what I want to read here is from Ecclesiastes. It says um, from Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine, 10, and 12, two are better than one. If one falls, the other will have the fallen one. But woe to the solidary person. If that one shall fall, there is no other to help. Where one along may be overcome, two together can resist. A three-ply cord is not easily broken. So when we're thinking about our money roles within marriage, it's a three-ply cord. It's the husband, the wife, and God. So the magic happens when those three come together. You are stronger together and you can do amazing things together. When you acknowledge that it's not two individuals, it's a three-ply cord. So we're going to go over 10 things successful couples do. These are roles and things, habits that successful couples do to have financial wellness, to communicate about money, and to uh, operate as good stewards. So the first habit that successful couples have is they lay all their cards on the table and they put new ones on the table as necessary. There are no secrets. There cannot be any secrets because secrets lead to financial infidelity and we don't want secrets. So this is not like, you know, maybe there's a little pot of money where you guys surprise each other at Christmas. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm saying is that we just bring all our stuff to the table and we are completely honest with our spouse. The next habit is they talk about money a lot. They talk about it. They talk about it proactively. And periodically, there's a regular schedule with talking about money, whether that be a Saturday morning coffee, you go over your budget together, or once a month um, proactive budget meeting, they talk about money periodically, and they talk about it proactively. The third habit is they have shared goals. We can't have one member of the married couple planning on saving for a retirement in Europe and the other one planning on an RV circling around the country, visiting grandkids. Like those are two very different goals. And we need to make sure we have shared goals that are agreed upon in common. The next habit is they divvy up money responsibilities. It can't all fall on one person. There's going to be a, a, someone whose personality is a little bit better for handling the tracking and the, you know, maintaining the budget and stuff like that. And that's fine, but there needs to be some divvying up of Mary of money goals. So if things do go south or something happens, we don't just have one party to blame it on. This needs to be a shared effort. The next habit is they properly insure their assets as needed. Insurance is the best money you ever hope to waste. And what's interesting, if you actually learn about the history of insurance, the Catholic Church actually, um, when insurance first came about, they said it was a form of gambling and it was looked down upon, which is really interesting because kind of a bad gamble. Like you have to give up your life to get the money, but whatever. But now they've realized how 
it, it's, it's just structural. It's something that we need to have a good foundation when it comes to preserving our assets and maintaining um, just a good solid financial plan. So we ensure our assets as needed and we make sure we have those things are protected should something happen to either one of the, um, the, the couple that their financial picture is still secure. Um, the next habit is they have proper legal documentation in place, AKA a will. We hear of crazy horror stories of money getting stuck in probate and people not having access to what they need to have access to um, should something happen to one of the, uh, the, one of the couple members of the couple. So we want to make sure we have our proper legal documentation in place and we want to make sure that's done well and done, you know, based on the state we're living in. Um, we also have number seven is, uh, we respect each other's, uh, money language. So we think about where our spouse is coming from. We think about their, um, uh, what they bring in from their family of origin. And we respect that. It's not that one knows more than another because money is not about knowing better. It's about the emotion we bring into it. So we want to make sure we're not demeaning of our spouse or we're not saying, well, your family was broke. So surely I have the better plan. We want to respect their money language and respect what they're bringing in to um, these money conversations. Habit number eight is successful couples spend less than they earn. It's, you know, as much as we talk about emotion, it's so important to talk about the emotion. Ultimately, there is math and you have to spend less than you earn. And that delta has to go into some kind of savings or, or um, you know, some kind of plan that's going to be working towards your goals. Um, habit number nine, they set and follow ground rules. My husband and I have a ground rule of if we're going to spend more than $100, we call the other person. It's just like a golden rule in our household. And we have ground rules. So we know that if something out of the ordinary were to pop up, we have both people in on this decision, whatever it is. So we successful couples, they set and they follow those ground rules. And then habit 10, their spending reflects their faith and their marriage as priorities. This probably should have been habit number one, but I wanted to spend some more time here. So we moved it to habit number 10. So what I mean by this is generosity needs to be a proactive part of our finances. Couples who prioritize generosity have been shown time and time again through academic research ad nauseum that they have stronger marriages. They are happier as a couple. They are happier individuals because they have a generosity plan. So we don't want to get to the end of the month and give from what's left because we know if we wait till the end of the month, there's always more month than money. Like that's just what happens. We need to be proactive about our generosity plan. And I'm not going to give you a percentage that you need to be generous with. And what's interesting is USCCB does not actually give us a percentage. Um, a lot of times we hear 10%, we associate 10% with the tithe. That's an Old Testament rule. Um, it's a good rule. It's a good starting place. It's not bad. I think it's a, you know, considering most Catholics give between, I want to say two and 3% um, uh, every year. 10% uh, seems like a really good goal. If we got to that 10%, can you imagine the impact we'd have on the world? But USCCB does not actually give us a percentage. What they do say is they say we're supposed to be um, good stewards. We're supposed to give from our first fruits. We're supposed to be proactive. It needs to be intentional. 
because how much we decide to be generous with needs to be a result of the relationship we have with the Lord. It needs to be a result of a conversation, an ongoing conversation with God as to what we're being called to be generous with. I don't want to let 10% be a limiting factor. There are some people who are called to give way more than 10%. And I don't want to say 10%. And now they're not going to be able to participate in this wonderful generosity um, cycle that we get to participate in. Let it be proactive. Let it be intentional. Let it be from first fruits. And let it be a shared conversation with you and your spouse. Your marriage will benefit from it. So I'm not saying this to increase you know, donations. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. It's for the betterment of your marriage that you have a conversation around generosity, whether it be donating to your parish, whether it be donating to an organization that speaks to both of your hearts, maybe adopting a child in another country. And, um, you know, they have like a monthly, um, uh, you know, you pay that child's bills every month and you communicate over letters. There's lots of different ways to do it, but be intentional, be proactive and let it grow your marriage. And the second thing I want to say about habit number 10 is our marriages need to be priorities within our budgets. Often when you have children, it's very easy for those children's activities, children's needs to take up all of your surplus money. And then your date night gets reduced down to that that money conversation on Saturday morning over your cup of coffee you would have had anyways. Make sure you have money set aside for those fun activities you want to do together. Uh, taking a dance lesson or just going out and grabbing a glass of wine. Let your budget show your marriage as a priority. It's so important. As I I will say as a a wife, when um, I know my husband has money set aside and he takes me out on a date, it feels like we're still dating. Like he set that aside for us to grow our relationship. So let your budget reflect that. Even if it's only five bucks a month, whatever, that's a scoop of ice cream that you guys go out together and and you get to enjoy. So just knowing that your marriage is a priority is a um, mindset shift that it's really beneficial. So generosity and setting your marriage as a priority is another habit that successful couples participate in. To learn more about Compass Catholic, please visit compasscatholic.org. Also, if after listening to this, you and your spouse decide it's time to make some financial changes, please go to our website and click on I Need a Money Coach under our resources tab. At no cost to you, you can schedule a free money coaching session with one of our exceptionally trained money coaches. Have a wonderful week and God bless.